You're listening to a sermon from LifeGate Church of Seguin, Texas. This sermon was preached by Joshua Jordan, who serves as the lead pastor at LifeGate Church. Find out more about us at www.lifegateseguin.com. Today, I have the privilege of preaching the third and final message in this series on the mission of the church. If you haven't been here the last few weeks, what we decided to do is, after finishing our time in the letter of Galatians, which we spent months together as a church making our way through that wonderful letter, learning, hearing from God um, as, as that letter just continued to unfold, between finishing that letter and starting a new book of the Bible, which the plan is on the second Sunday of November, we are going to begin the gospel according to Luke. I'm excited about that. But we thought in between these two studies of books of the Bible, it would be wise and helpful for us to stop and to focus on our mission as a church. So I want to take just a moment, once again, I've done this the last two weeks, I want to do it again today, just to state what is the mission of LifeGate Church. We exist to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ among our neighbors, among the nations, throughout generations, for the glory of God. That's why we exist. We exist as a church to make and mature disciples of Jesus And where are we to do that? We're to do it among those around us, our neighbors. We're to do it among the nations. And we're to do it throughout generations for the glory of God. And two weeks ago, as we began this series, we we reflected on how to reach our neighbors. And we turned to the Gospel of John and the story from John 4 about Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria. And in that story... I, I believe we, we discovered a helpful strategy that no matter who you are, how old you are, we can all do the things we saw in John 4 in reaching our neighbors. Remember, we saw three things. We can initiate conversations, we can testify about Jesus, and invite people to believe. That's what we saw in that story, that there was intentionality, there, there, was, there was initiating relationships and conversations telling people about who Jesus is and what he's done, and then inviting people to believe. Last week, we looked at Psalm 87. And and, and in Psalm 87, we discovered the heart of God for the nations. God's heart for the nations was on full display in Psalm 87. And what we saw, that as a church, if we want to to be a part of what God's doing among the nations, and we want to fulfill our role as a church among the nations. The best way we can do that is to participate in partnership. There are many things we can't do as a little church, but when we're joined together in partnership, we can be a part of God's global mission. And as I mentioned last week, we have the privilege of partnering with Jacob and Carol Lee of reaching Africa's unreached, the work they're doing in Uganda and the South Sudan border. And last week, we talked about our denomination, Sovereign Grace. 
and the many benefits of being a part of a, a family of churches and partnering together is that we can do global work that no church in our family of churches would be able to do alone. And that's why on November the 6th, we're going to take an offering so that we can just be a part. Not only are we praying for the, the, the good work God is doing, but we want to support that work. Well, today, we will turn our attention yet again to the book of Psalms, and we're going to reflect on how do we fulfill our mission throughout generations. Now, my plan going into this week, my plan for this morning is I had weeks ago sat down, mapped out this series. My plan was to preach from Psalm 127 on generational ministry among God's people. But something happened this week as I studied, as I prayed, and I reflected on this theme in the book of Psalms. One of the things I did earlier in the week was to, to look at the topic of generations throughout the entire book of Psalms. I grabbed my concordance. I looked at all the place generation and generations was used. I had done that the week before when I looked at the nations. I took all the places in the Psalms that spoke of the nations. And I knew this was a theme. Not as big as the nations is a theme in the Psalms. But I knew that the Psalms spoke much of generations. And as I began to look at this theme of generations in the Psalms, I quickly realized that my view of generational ministry was too narrow and that my burden for doing generational ministry was motivated by the wrong goal. <laughs> Here I was, eager to preach on generations, had my text, and the Lord said, sit down, I have some things to teach you. And I said, yes, Lord, say whatever you want to say. And I learned some things I had not seen before. And it had a profound effect on me. Now, before I tell you, what is it that, that these psalms that speak of generations, what, what is it that they tell us about generational ministry? Before I tell you that, or before I show you why my view of generational ministry was too narrow, and my burden was motivated by the wrong goal, I want us to look at seven different psalms, just a few verses in each one of these psalms that I looked at this week that God used to impact my view of generational ministry. Let's begin with Psalm 33, verse 11. It's going to be up here on the screen. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Or how about Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God what about Psalm 100 verse 5 for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures 
forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 102 verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. What about Psalm 145 and verse 4 and then verse 13? One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Lastly, Psalm 146, verse 10. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Did you notice the connection? That everything that was spoken of generations was spoken in connection to our view of God. Did you hear that? Did you see that? That as Israel gathered together and they sang and they prayed and they recited these truths about God, their view of God and their view of generations was connected. Can you understand maybe after hearing these Psalms read how my view of generations was too limited? See, I would guess... That when you hear the word generations, you probably think of one or two of the two following things. Because this is what I thought of. And this is where my view was too limited. And this is true. But there's a bigger view. Here's probably one of two things you think of when you hear generations. You think of the next generation. You immediately go there. And that's important. As, As Bob just prayed for the next generation. Psalm 145 verse 4 tells us. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. It's important. We, we will fail at our mission as a church if, we, if we're only so involved right now. We forget that one day none of us are going to be here any longer. And we must transfer the good news of the gospel to the next generation. But notice what our mission statement says. It doesn't say we, we want to fulfill our mission among our neighbors, nations, and the next generation. It says throughout generations. We're not just considering and worrying about and only concerned with the next generation. Which brings me to the second thing. When we hear generations, we think multi-generational. That's what throughout means. And we're not just focused on the next generation. We care that all generations, once again, as Bob just prayed a minute ago, we're, we're not just praying for the young people. We're praying for every person in every season of life at every age that, that they would understand the, the, the gospel and that they would, would have a love for God. But what I discovered is that when the book of Psalms speak of generations, It's not primarily referring to age groups. Not to say that never happens, but that's not primarily how it's speaking of generations. Instead, it's referring to long periods of time, and in the case of God, endless ages. 
So when we hear the word generations today, think this. Think of ages in regards to time and not so much age groups. So what does that mean? When we hear the word generations, here's what we should think of. Longevity. Not just the next generation. But if we're going to fulfill our mission, we must have longevity. We must be doing something and building something that's going to last a long, 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 long time. Until Christ returns, we're building something that's going to last. Here's the second thing I saw after reflecting on generations in the book of Psalms. I realized that not only was my view of generations simply limited to the next generation or being multi-generational, which is very important. Praise God, we are multi-generational as a church. We want to keep seeing that. We want to keep seeing more younger families and younger folks coming. But as I look around, we, we are multi-generational. But there was another thing that I was failing to see. And that that was my burden to reach generations was motivated by the wrong goal. Now that immediately raises this question in your mind. Josh, what was your goal? My goal was to reach people for Christ from every generation. Well, isn't that what we should do? How is that not the best goal? Shouldn't we want to reach people for Christ from every generation? What's wrong with that? Well, our primary motivation to fulfill our mission throughout generations should not simply be to reach people, but instead to accurately reflect the glory of God. What does that mean? What do I mean by that? Let's go back again. Listen to Psalm 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Notice the talk of generations in this psalm. It isn't based on people. It's based on who? God. Notice what Psalm 33.11 says. God's plans and God's promises do not change. They're everlasting. To fail to be generational is to lie about God. Because He's unchanging. His promises do not change. They do not have an expiration date. Or what about Psalm 100 verse 5 that I read a minute ago. Psalm 100 verse 5 says this. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love does what? Endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Did you hear that? His nature, his character, his attributes do not change. They are fixed and certain and without end. What about Psalm 102? Psalm 145 and Psalm 146, they, they share with us or they show us a theme also here in the Psalms about God. Psalm 102 verse 12, listen to this. 
but You, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. And then Psalm 146.10, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Did you hear what all three of those psalms said? That God's rule and that His reign have no end. He has no term limits attached to his role as sovereign ruler of the universe. He can't get voted out of office. There can't be a coup. He can't be assassinated. He doesn't die of old age at 96 like the queen. He has always been on the throne and will always be on the throne. Can you begin to see now what I began to see earlier in this week? Our mission to reach generations must be focused on longevity and motivated by the glory of God. That's what I began to see. I hadn't seen before. That our mission as a church, if we want to be faithful, we must be focused on longevity And we must be motivated by the glory of God. Now there are three ways I want to point out this morning. There there are probably many other. But I want to just speak of three ways we are called to fulfill our mission throughout generations. That really highlights this idea of longevity and the glory of God. So here's the first one. We're going to fulfill our mission to be long-term, to have that kind of view. And we're motivated, not just by reaching people, by rightly representing who God is. Here's what we must do. We must be captivated by the glory of God as a church. Did you notice all these psalms? Why was the church and why were the people of God called to praise Him forever? Because He's worthy of praise forever. That's why we must be generational. It's His glory is so amazing and so everlasting that we as His people, whether it's now or a thousand years from now, when He tarries, we're still singing of His greatness. We're still talking about Him in the same ways. Because of who He is. We must be captivated by the glory of of God. Go back to Psalm 90. Read it a minute ago. Psalm 90, verses 1 through 2. I want to demonstrate what I'm talking about that we must be, as God's people, captivated by the glory of God. Notice what's happening in this psalm. Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. The people of God say, Lord, You've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, 
from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The people of God gathered together and proclaimed this about God. And here's what's so striking about verses 1 and 2. Now listen to verses 3 through 6. Notice the contrast between God and man. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. The people of God gather together and they say, Our God is our dwelling place. He has always been and He Always will be. Why? Because he's from everlasting to everlasting. Who are we? We're not like him. (laughs) Do you hear what's being spoken of in this passage? Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you and I reflected on the fact that God is everlasting? And that that thought brought us comfort. It's probably not an attribute you're spending time reflecting on. I would guess most of the time when we think of God being everlasting, it's at some point in our life, it was probably more when I was a child than it is now, but I've still had this thought many times in my my lifetime when I've tried to get my mind around the fact that God is from everlasting to everlasting. Okay, so he never had a beginning and he doesn't have an It's more puzzling than comforting to me, but not to the people of God. They reflected on the fact that God was everlasting, and it brought them comfort. You see, one of the many things I love about the book of Psalms is that it is God-centered because the people of God were God-centered. The the Psalms don't sound often like so much evangelical culture today. That's why we need to dwell in the Psalms a little bit. Remember what the Psalms are. 150 Psalms that reflect the songs, the sermons, the prayers of God's people for a long period of time in Israel's history. Psalm 90 that I just referred to. It says that it was attributed to Moses. Most likely the first and oldest psalm. The later psalms of the 150 go all the way to the end of Israel's history to the return from exile. Generations and generations and generations coming together. And this was their hymn book. So we want to learn what did God's people, what did they used to sound like? What kind of songs did they used to sing? What kind of prayers did they used to pray? Listen to these psalms. They are God-centered. Listen to the kind of songs they sung. They didn't sing, You make me feel so amazing. I love you. 
You're from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. They're rich. They're deep. They're theological. What about their prayers? So many of these psalms could either be sung or they were prayed. Notice the kind of prayers these are. They're not just, God, would you help me in my day today? Help me get a good grade on my test. Lord, help me fulfill my assignment. I got a project in front of my co-workers today. Would you just help me get through that? Listen to how they're praying. It's deep. It's rich. It's weighty. See, they're God-centered. Notice the kind of scripture they're reciting These psalms became holy scripture. And and what do they say? Listen to how they talk about God. Notice how the psalmists talk about God. Psalm 115. Listen, listen, this is how God's people spoke about God. Psalm 115 verses 1 through 3. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us. But to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Listen to how it ends. Verse 18. But he will bless the Lord. Or we will bless the Lord from this time forth. And forevermore. Do you hear how God-centered the people of God were? When they came together and they sang and they recited scriptures and they prayed, it, it wasn't simply about all the things they felt and that they needed. Now, here's what I love about the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with the expressions of God's people, their longings, their heartaches, their hurts. It's not that that those things are absent. Actually, if there's any book of the Bible that expresses those things so wonderfully and richly, it's the Psalms, and yet the Psalms aren't about the people. They're about their God. Now, why am I drawing attention to this point? Because I am thoroughly convinced that to be generational, we must be God-centered and not man-centered. Listen, providing ministries that reach and care for people of all ages doesn't necessarily make you generational if God is not at the center of all you do. You could have a big church with a, large, with a long history. It's got a, a massive children's ministry, several junior high and high school pastors, a college ministry, senior adult ministers, They've started, they've started a nursing home. They've started a, a, an adoption ministry. But they're not preaching about the greatness of God. Are they generational? Are they really doing what the psalmist is saying? What if these people aren't captivated by His glory and they're not compelled to live for His glory? 
See, to be generational isn't just simply to make sure that that we're telling people certain truths or that we keep the church going for a long time. The point of being generational according to the Psalms is that everything that's true of God that has always been true, a thousand years from now, we're still saying the same things. And that people are seeing His greatness and His glory and His purposes and His promises. So if we are not God-centered, then then we're failing to do what God's calling us to do. No matter how many young people, no matter how many families, no matter how many ministries and opportunities we have, no matter how big we are, being generational is being God-centered. Why? Listen, people need to know the one true God. They always have. And they always will. That is our mission. People need to know. They always have from the beginning of time until Christ returns. People need to know of who God is. They always have and they always will. And our job as a church is to tell them. To show them. Our job isn't to be entertaining or to make Christianity look cool. Our aim is to proclaim who God is, to praise Him passionately, and point people to the glory of our great God and Savior. That is our man. That is our mission. That is our aim if we want to be generational. I love these words from J.I. Packer in his classic book, Knowing God. If you're still not tracking, you're wondering, okay, so, so why is being generational? About pointing people to God. Once again, everyone needs God. And we need to know, we need to tell people who this God is, that He is unchanging. That He wasn't one thing many years ago and now He's different. He is still the God. The scripture shows Him to be gracious, good, steadfast, faithful. Listen to what J.I. Packer wrote. Knowing God is crucially important for the living of our lives. As it it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London, put him down without explanation in Travolger Square and leave him as one who knew nothing of English or England to fend for himself. So we are cruel to ourselves and I would add to others. If we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and the God who runs it. Listen to these words. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place. And life in it, a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God. And you sentence yourself to stumble and to blunder through life blindfolded, as it were. With no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. We want to be generational. We must tell people, you were made for God. And here's who that God is. And he's unchanged. We must be captivated by the glory of God. Second thing, 
We must have faith for the future. I'm not going to spend as much time on these last two. But I think this is important for us. We must have faith for the future. I, I, I said a moment, a moment ago at the beginning of the sermon that my original intent was to preach from Psalm 127. I do want to read Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2. Because I think there is a wonderful truth here in these psalm, in this psalm that is meant to inspire faith for the future. Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. This passage has been my go-to passage when I consider our future as a church. Here's why I say that. I want you to know that, that we as your pastors, we have a burden to reach families in Seguin and the surrounding communities. And as you know, th th this community, along with so much of South Central Texas, is growing. Literally thousands of people are coming here. To this city alone, it's growing. And my prayer, along with your pa the other pastor's prayer, we, we want to go see God use our church to transform lives and to transform families. We want to see these new people that are coming here hear the gospel, their lives be changed, their families to be changed. But listen, I must admit to you that too often, this burden to reach families has become a, t a source of temptation and, and worry. That's why Psalm 127 verses 1 through 2 have been my go-to verses when it comes to our future. Because I can confess to you, over the last year or so, I have spent many long nights laying in bed worried about our future. How are we going to reach all these families? How are we going to fulfill our mission? What about all these empty pews? Who's going to fill them? For many nights, I worried about, will we reach the next generation? And when I wasn't worrying, I was strategizing on how to reach people in the city who do not know about Christ, nor do they know that this that this church even exists. Listen, having a burden for the future and spending time thinking through the possible ways we can reach new folks, it's good and it's necessary. There's nothing wrong with having a burden to reach people in the future and to spend time thinking about the many ways we can do that. I hope it's encouraging to you to hear that I, along with the other pastors, we do carry a burden for the future, both the immediate future and the distant future. We would not be good shepherds if all we did was just live in the now. We just looked at each week and said, well, Sunday's coming. <laughs> we only looked at Sunday and maybe a few Sundays from now. Well, let's pull out our calendar for the next year. We don't have a vision for way, way, way down the road then 
we're not living generationally. But listen, worry and outreach strategies will not accomplish anything. Only that which is done by faith will bear lasting fruit. That's why I've needed Psalm 127, verses 1 through 2, because that's the point of this psalm. The people of God are having to remind themselves. How are we going to build for the future? How are we going to guard the people of God and the city of God? And apparently, they're working hard to build. They're working late, getting up early, probably worried. Sleeping with one eye open to guard the city. God doesn't say, stop all that. I got it. But he does say, where's your faith? Don't you know you could stay up all night and not do a thing? But if you have faith in me and you seek to work, I will accomplish many things. I will accomplish great things. See, without faith, all our labors are in vain. But here's the good news. God can build what will last, and he can guard it and grow it for his glory. We must have complete confidence in God that he can build, sustain, and guard his church in this culture. You ever get worried about this culture and think, man, how are churches going to last? They're going to last because God builds them. And the gates of hell will not prevail against them. And guess what? Not only does God build, sustain, and guard his church in a culture like today. He can establish, grow, and protect godly families. You ever had that same burden? For your children, for your grandchildren? And this world is wicked, worldly. Perverse, how in the world is the next generation going to make it? They're going to make it the same way every other generation did by God's grace and by his help. God can build churches and families and call them to grow. And we must have faith in that. That doesn't mean we don't work. But if we think... Churches will only grow and reach the world if we do X, Y, and Z. That's why we're not growing. And yet we don't have faith. First of all, we're not going to please the Lord. Number two, we're going to be tempted to compromise. Number three, we're going to put all of our efforts and our energy, and it may not bear fruit. And when it does, guess what we're going to do? I'm glad we did that. That was such a good strategy. No, we need faith. So what does faith look like as we think about the future? Here's the first thing I would just share with you. It may sound so simple, but I wonder if we just sometimes neglect to do this as much as we should. Are we praying for this church and our future? Is part of our prayers for LifeGate Church, and I know you pray for LifeGate Church, but are you praying for the future of LifeGate Church? For the, for the immediate future? God, families are coming from all over the country to this city. 
Can we, can we be a part of reaching? And do you pray for the distant future one day when you're laying in the ground? And Jesus hasn't returned. Are you still praying? Lord, if you, if you tarry a hundred years from now when we're all, none of us are in here. Will LifeGate Church still be a place that's a, a city on a hill and salt and light? Let's pray that God would use us to reach the next generation. Also, we must pro- proclaim the gospel faithfully in the present. If we care about the future, we must proclaim the gospel faithfully in the present. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Jesus shared a parable earlier in or it's recorded earlier in this chapter about sowing into the ground, seed. And Jesus then goes on later to say this. The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Tell me if this is not Psalm 127. What does it look like to work and yet rest in God? The kingdom of God is as if a man scattered seed on the ground, he sleeps And rises night and day. And the seed sprouts. And grows. And he knows not how. (laughs) You know the point Jesus was making to his disciples? Just throw the seed. Go to sleep. Get up. Throw the seed. And one day you're going to say. Whoa. There's a harvest. And guess who did it? I did. All you have to do is be faithful. Listen, we must be faithful now if we care about the future. We must proclaim the gospel faithfully now if we want to secure a future for our church. Lastly, we must help raise godly families. If time permitted, we could walk through a number of psalms. Psalm 78 verses 4 through 8. Psalm 127 later on in verses 3 and 5. The very next psalm, Psalm 128, verses 1 through 4, we do hear about generations in regards to families. And we know that families are important in our church. We as a church must be committed to making and maturing disciples of Jesus by investing in families and not just individuals. If we're going to carry out and fulfill our mission, we must do more than just Seek to reach individuals. We we must have families in view. How can we help families? How can we come alongside them and raise up godly families? As a pastoral team, be praying for us. We we want to think about ways we can come alongside your family to provide teaching and resources. This book that we're recommending, it's one of our aims to, to encourage moms and to encourage women. You don't know how much your example matters. You look at some of the great men of God, and you know what they'll all say? Why do you love God? Why have you remained faithful to the end? Because of my mama. <laughs> men from a long time ago and men from now, and we want to encourage you with things like that. We want to offer more teaching on marriage. We want to offer seminars, retreats. We want to do more on parenting. There's some resources out there. We, we just put a book out a few weeks ago on parenting teams that we, we would say is 
by far the best book on parenting teens. If, you, if you're in that season, we would encourage you to grab one. But we want to encourage families. Because if we're going to reach the next generation, we can't just be thinking about individuals, but we must invest in families and marriages and parenting. Now, as we close out this series, not just this sermon, as we've thought these last few weeks about our mission, about reaching our neighbors, about reaching the nations, and about reaching generations, I thought it would be wise of us and appropriate, it's probably the best word, appropriate for us to close out this three-week series by turning to God and acknowledging we can't do any of these things. Reach our neighbors, reach the nations, and be faithful throughout the generations without God's help. Listen to these words, and then I want to pray for us as we close out today. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Isn't that encouraging? God is able to do far more than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. And why does he want to do far more than we can ask or think? To him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we submit these Three weeks of reflecting on what you've called us to be as your people and as a church, what you've called us to do, the glorious work you've called us to do, and reaching our neighbors and reaching the nations, and Lord, by your grace, to, to reach generations. And so, Lord, we just confess to you that unless you build this city, it will not last. Unless you build this church, Lord, we, we will labor in vain. So, Lord, we come aware of our need and desperate before you, and we ask you to help us in the days ahead to fulfill our mission. We want to see friends, family members, co-workers, neighbors hear of the gospel and come to saving faith. And you want to use us to be a part of that good work. Help us, Lord. Help us to be a part of the work you're doing globally. And Lord, lift up our eyes to see way beyond our lifetime. Give us a passion for your glory and that we would be like the people of God of old. We would see that you are from everlasting to everlasting and we would have a zeal to rightly represent you to the world. 
Father, may we do all of this for the sake of your name. May we do all of this to point people to the Savior. May we do it all because the Spirit of God enables us. No matter who we are, how old we are, what we know, what we don't know. Make us a part of your plan to reach those around us and help us to fulfill that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.